Hello and welcome to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. And this Soul of Business uh, program, I, I, you know, I love doing this show and I love doing this show for a whole lot, you know, a lot of reasons, uh, not the least of which is the guests that I get to uh, host on the show. And today I've got a very special guest for us. Um, this is someone that I've known for some time. We, you know, we initially started as a professional relationship uh, when I did some executive coaching with her, what, almost 10 years ago, I think it was. Quite a while ago, yeah. Pretty well, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, Martina Wolkoff um, is a serial entrepreneur. And, and that in and of itself isn't particularly unusual. There's a lot of entrepreneurs out there, but where she, the space that she operates in is, is really intriguing. As a, you know, as a woman in tech, she has founded uh, three organizations in particular, all of them highly successful. They've all you know, done extraordinarily well. But more than that is, and this is what I wanted to have her on for, is some of the work that she's doing in promoting growth with uh, entrepreneurial uh, talent in the tech space, specifically organized around women. And I, I love what you're up to, Martina. I've, uh, I loved working with you when we were working together. And, um, I am just thrilled to have you on the show. So welcome. And we'll get a little bit more in your background here as we start you know, the conversation, but uh, just welcome to the show. Thank you. So good to see you, Blaine. You as well. You as well. And I'd be very remiss here if I didn't just acknowledge for the audience at large, uh, the brand new addition to your family, uh, a new baby girl. So congratulations, yes. uh, Katrina. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Another, another, I like to say another woman in XR in the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, perfect. And we'll talk about what XR means here in just a minute as well, because that's part of the name of the, the fund that you, uh, that you're uh, heading up. Um, when you talk about, or when I talk about uh, the soul of business, and this is the question that I ask all of the guests that come on here, that just that phrase itself, the soul of business, um, what does that bring up for you? And this is going to be an interesting, because we haven't rehearsed this. I haven't even queried you on this necessarily. So when you hear the phrase, the soul of business, what's, what's it bring up? Yeah, well, the word, the word that immediately comes to mind with that phrase is purpose. I think for, for me, connection to soul is connection to purpose. And, and what that means for each person, obviously, is very distinct. Um, but that's been an important thread through my career. And I think through most of the entrepreneurs I like to work with um, is a strong connection to, I think, it, as Simon Sinek would say, the why, the, you know, the heart of the matter. And um, to me, business for the sake of, of business, devoid of that strong sense of personal purpose, is never going to be as fulfilling for the individual or the team and, and in many cases won't be you know, as successful as well, because particularly when it comes to starting a business and running an early stage company, um, without that connection to the why and the purpose, it's very difficult to, to maintain the stamina and dedication needed uh, to, to get through those first, through, first few um, major hurdles and, and um, yeah, so I think it's absolutely essential, you know, there's a, there's a lot of words that that people use for a similar concept whether it's you know passion or there's a lot of talk about grit as well which which is connected um, but i think that that whole package is kind of captured in in the soul of business and um just so so essential to making things that are really impactful and and ultimately drive meaning in the world 
No, I, I, a couple of things that you mentioned there. One is, you know, entrepreneurs that I like to work with. Um, so there's some discrimination there in terms of who you actually, you know, end up partnering with uh, mm -hmm. in, in, in the journey. But the other piece here, and I'm going to talk about that one in a minute, but the other one you mentioned was uh, grit. Um, I mean, I, I look at business as kind of a spiritual discipline. It, it's an opportunity for me to really bring out the best in me while I'm bringing out the best in my organization, so to speak. And I was uh, actually uh, hosting, yeah, my other show is uh, The Office Hours with my partner, David Meltzer. And we do a live cast every, every Thursday, The Soul of Business. And we had Joe DeSena on today uh, from the Spartan, Spartan Race Organization. Mm -hmm. And he's a very big believer in grit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he uses that word a lot. And the idea there is, yeah, to be challenged, to bring, you know, no, none of us really know what we're capable of until we're faced with some challenge. And, and the bigger the challenge, the more of me I need to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And I think from an entrepreneurial perspective, you know, you've started three organizations and I was with you in the early one uh, when, when that got to running and there was, there were challenges, there were challenges. Mm -hmm. And when you, when you went over from, um, and that first one was called uh, Zealous, and then you went to Convene VR and you started doing work in the VR space, which was not a space that you had played with much at all. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd be interested in hearing from you, from your perspective as an entrepreneur, what, and this is not a question about the challenges of funding, which mm -hmm. you know, most people are familiar with. But moving into a domain like VR, which you had some cursory information and knowledge about, but what were some of the things that it brought out in you that you didn't know were there that needed mm -hmm. to be brought out mm -hmm. to succeed? Well, it was a, a huge, a huge leap. And I joke sometimes that, you know, I went from, because my first company was in mobile gaming, which there were a lot of people moving um, from the gaming industry into virtual reality at the time, but it, it's an entirely new medium. Um, and so, although a lot of the lessons I learned as an entrepreneur the first time around could apply, the, you know, the, the space, the technology, there, there were a lot of unknowns and it was very humbling. Um, to, to make a move in that direction. With VR specifically, I think one of the um, advantages is that at least at that time, 2015, 2016, it was new to most people. I mean, there are exceptions to that. There are some great um, leaders who have been in this space uh, a long, long time and doing some uh, experimenting work, you know, dating back to the 60s. But those, those people are rare and far between. Most people currently in the industry are, are relatively new to the medium themselves. So there was, um, an element of openness and curiosity. And I found the community um, I, I dove into early on to be very, very welcoming and eager to share knowledge and collaborate. And I think that's one of the things actually that, that really drew me to the space in general is uh, it felt to me what I imagine the early days of the internet may have felt like where, um, you know, there, there's so much creation, there's so much newness and, um, and the culture that coalesces around that is it, it attracts a really unique type of, of person, you know, someone that's not afraid to take risks, someone that's, um, like I said, extremely curious and creative and, um, and, and, and kind of a little crazy. There's, there's an element that you have to, you have to have a certain flavor of craziness. Um, and that happens to be a type of crazy I really enjoy and thrive on. So, um, so those are all the things that attracted me to it. And um, the learning curve has been steep, but also um, thrilling. And uh, the, 
the impact we could have in these early days, you know, is outsized because of the precedent that it sets. So that that's ultimately what convinced me to to dig my heels in and really um, really look for the places where I could have the most leverage in terms of impact. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned a couple of things. I mean, one, you know, what you offered up was the perfect, I think, dictionary description of an entrepreneur. <laughs> I mean, just that yeah, dash of crazy too. <laughs> just a little dash of crazy, uh, you know, those sorts of things. And um, the idea, and, and I was really struck by this in, 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 in one way here, the, the idea of creativity, aliveness, the energy that is present in an entrepreneurial environment. For me, that speaks to the presence of the soul uh, of, of whatever businesses are you know, being you know, cogitated, <laughs> cogitated on. And, yeah, and this you know, uh, is, was was kind of interesting in terms of yeah you know, the incubator that you ended up uh, creating, um, and yeah you know, this is WXR. Now you've got yeah you know, now you have WXR Fund, which is the mm -hmm. uh, capital piece here. But I want to talk a little bit about WXR as an incubator. Mm -hmm. So you you were successful with uh, uh, Zellist, and uh, you know, that got sold to the University of Washington. Yeah, that was a nice transition point, and then. Um, you moved uh, to, convey, uh, to convene VR. And from there you went into uh, the incubator cycle. Uh, now that's, I'm, I'm marking this out as an interesting pathway, you know, just kind mm -hmm. of a migrational uh, piece here. So leveraging your entrepreneurial spirit into a, in, you know, an entrepreneurial incubator, that, mm -hmm. that's an interesting jump. Um, it's, it's not without precedent and you, know, you can connect the dots looking backwards, but when you start thinking about, you had what, 20 some, 26 companies that uh, graduated mm -hmm. out of the incubator successfully. So mm -hmm. um, what, was, what was the driving force there for you as, as an entrepreneur and as somebody that was actually fostering this growth and these ideas with, with other people? And what did you pay attention to that allowed them to be successful? Well, what ultimately convinced me to, as I often say, make that transition from uh, founder to funder is uh, what I really saw as a time limited opportunity to influence the foundation of, um, of this next computing paradigm as we move from two dimensional to three dimensional computing. There's, there's a lot of opportunity there, not just to change the technology and user experience, but to change the actual industry and the norms and the culture. And, and so a big part of that, big part of what I saw in that opportunity was to normalize women in leadership and from the beginning, bolster the numbers overall, which is, is key to this whole equation, but also change the story and make sure that the women who were already doing important work and, and, and establishing leadership in the space were properly credited and showcased, and um, that we could, you know, build build a platform on which those stories could be told. And so, um, part of it was right place, right time. You know, I connected with uh, my co-founders Malia Probst and Abby Albright, and uh, Marco Demaraz of the Venture Reality Fund was a, a key uh, person early on as well. And you know, we had a lot of conversations around the how crucial these next few years. This was you know 2015, 2016, like I said how crucial those first few years of this wave of computing would be in setting what would become the trajectory for, for that next wave. And so um, 
you know, I, I still consider myself an entrepreneur at heart. I love building products and companies and that may be a, a future chapter for me again. But in this moment, um, I think the investment, being an investor and, and starting with the accelerator allowed me to work with a lot of different companies and have sort of that industry perspective versus um, focusing in on, on my own thing at the moment. And so that appealed to me in, in resetting what the narrative could be. Um, and with the 26 companies, I mean, it was really exciting. We decided to start with the accelerator first because when we started floating the thesis, which is really focused on that intersection of women and, and what we now call spatial computing, which is kind of a bigger term. XR is another catch-all term for augmented and virtual reality, as well as um, artificial intelligence as it applies to that 3D computing paradigm. So natural language processing, uh, computer vision, machine learning. And um, that whole category is, is so nascent that the pushback we got initially from prospective investors was, well, are there even women in the space? Where's the data? And that data set doesn't, it didn't really exist. You know, it's, it's early stage data is hard to come by in the best of times. And especially when you layer on demographic information, very, very difficult. So we decided to build the data set ourselves as well as build our credibility and build our brand with the accelerator, um, which we launched in early 2018. And we had applications from all over the world, hundreds of applications from every continent except Antarctica, ultimately. We had, Australia was the last to join the batch, but we did get some um, from Australia as well. And uh, so suddenly we had this incredibly robust data set and, and could tell a very tangible story um, and then quantify the opportunity in ways that um, we couldn't have had we not started with that. And it also allowed us to uh, build key relationships, um, primarily with the companies themselves, and you know offer value and and show how we could uh, partner and support um, each of those companies, and also with industry partners like Verizon. So Verizon underwrote our program last year. Um, it was a fantastic partnership that's continued into this year, and um, we work with people like Oculus and, and HP and just kind of all the major industry players that are all looking for ways to connect and add value to the startup ecosystem. And in many cases, we can be a conduit for those uh, for those relationships and benefit everyone. So it's it's a win win. That's great. And what I you know, there's an interesting uh, convergence there of your skill set, your curiosity. But then going to a meta perspective on it about how can I be of greatest service to the greatest number uh, that are coming into play here. And, and that resulted in part, I think, in the Lumiere Award for Distinguished Leadership from the Advanced Imaging Society. Um, you, you were a, you know, one of a select group of people you know, that year that uh, received that. And part of that uh, had to do with your work um, in fostering the growth of technology professionals and specifically women in this regard. Um, what's, you know, what's the 20, we'll just use that data set of 26 companies here. Thematically, what were the one or two or maybe three things here that all of them had in common that, and I mean, and I'm not necessarily from their go to market mm -hmm. uh, service a product, but Outside of the funding dynamic, what, what were the major challenges that they had to actually work with um, to, to get to, to that, that graduation point? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot, of, a lot of the key challenges across XR have to do with communication. I mean, just in this short talk with you, I've used three or four terms uh, mm -hmm. that are all 
you know, related to the category, but not broadly understood. So there's, there's semantic challenges, there's conceptual challenges, and this is all so brand new that um, explaining to uh, whether it's a customer or a partner or a, a funder um, exactly what you're doing has an extra dimension of challenges. I, I think that's something that startups are always contending with is how do I very concisely and clearly explain exactly what it is I'm doing when you're so close to the problem and you're so passionate, sometimes that can really muddy the waters. And with XR and this, these new technologies, it's even more difficult because you're starting from a place that there's less common understanding between you and your audience oftentimes. So that's one of the key things we work on is, is you know, how do you communicate? How do you boil it down? And sometimes that means distancing the message from the technology. You know, many of our companies um, don't talk so much about how they're doing what they're doing, at least right off the bat, as just getting down to the, the problem and, and helping their audience to really understand what and why you know, they're doing what they're doing. And so um, that, that, those are the types of, um, that's the type of coaching and the type of education uh, that we've provided through the program. Um, and then oftentimes it's just making the right connections. And again, this is common with many startups, but I think um, in some cases very cute in XR, uh, you, there's, there's actually a lot of research on how oftentimes, you know, women entrepreneurs um, don't necessarily have the right network uh, for a variety of reasons. There's a, there's a lot that goes into that, but, um, you know, making the right connections both for funding and for advancing uh, one's product um, and getting higher, getting more visibility is, is really, really important. And so we try to bring in the right folks and, and broker the right kinds of introductions such that um, you know, th that network can start um, building and some of that momentum can take hold as well. So those are a couple of the, the key pieces that are fairly universal. Um, and then beyond that, I think there's you know, the, the specific pieces um, that each, each company has to solve and that's a little bit more unique depending on, on the sector, but um, those are the couple of things that stand out as the general kind of universal challenges. Yeah. Um, and anything, you know, just from a gender perspective, because I'm assuming that, you know, all of these uh, firms, you know, were in some way, shape or form either founded or run by women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So from a gender perspective, anything that, you know, that particular demographic dynamic set up for them in terms of what they needed to address to become successful? You know, I think it's, it's tricky to, oh, I, I hesitate to overgeneralize because yeah. um, <laughs> I, I think, I think some of the barriers they're up against were up against. I, I, I have experienced this directly as well are universal. And again, there's a lot of research um, that shows that women do face um, and even one, one example I like to point to is a study out of, um, well, it was published in the Harvard Business Review. I, I think it was originally done in Scandinavia, actually looked at the language that uh, VCs use when they're asking women entrepreneurs questions versus men. And, and even the, the questions were in the cases of women automatically assuming a certain amount of, um, they, they were closed ended questions that were really focused on risk and barrier versus with men, they were open-ended and, and focused on success and potential success. So the orientation of the questions was already coming from a place of 
essentially assuming failure and assuming success. Yeah. And so that's, that's one of many examples of women have a different experience when they're building a company. It's not, I don't, I don't think it's in most cases that, um, that we are, are different in terms of capability or any, any, anything, except in some cases, maybe, you know, better positioned, particularly if it's a product that's, that's geared at women. Um, but there are more barriers and then that's just true and, and quantifiable. And I, I think that's important to acknowledge. Um, and that's a lot of what we talk about with our companies is it's an unfortunate reality of our current world and systems, but we need to acknowledge that we're starting from that place and therefore need to be you know, extra persistent and creative in how we're going to overcome those barriers. And also recognize that that can mean we can build an even better company because every time we come up against one of those challenges, it's an opportunity to be wiser and stronger. And, and that is the you know one of the key reasons I wanted to have you on this show talking about this. Um, yeah, the, the Stoic philosophy uh, philosopher uh, Seneca, uh, I think at one point in time said that the obstacle is the way. And Mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm very specific with this in terms of, you know, and I'm, I, I was familiar with that study you cited, you know, that the, the question structure, the bias that informs yeah. the question uh, is, is, is different and it's, you know, <laughs> measurably different. Right. Uh, so that becomes an opportunity rather than a barrier. If you look at it through that lens, it, be, mm -hmm. it becomes an opportunity to do some things that, yeah, would not be possible otherwise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which can be very interesting. And I want to talk a little bit about that when we come back from this break. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52 week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the leadership mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Welcome back. We're uh, talking with um, Martina Welkoff. And before we took the break, uh, we had identified a couple of things here that uh, women in particular are dealing with yeah, as entrepreneurs. And this is particularly salient, I think, in the, uh, the tech space. Um, the assumption uh, built into yeah, VR, not VR, uh, venture capital, VC yeah, conversations from you know for males uh, typically it would be you know, questions organized around how are you going to be successful for women that are coming to the table it would be organized around how are you going to yeah how are you going to not fail what's the risk mm -hmm. mitigation dynamic here mm -hmm. so just that difference uh, 
you know, focuses energy in a different way. You know, where my attention goes is where my, you know, where my right. energy goes. So as you worked with uh, in the incubator uh, with WXR, how did you leverage that? Because I think it's a wonderfully powerful lever to, for success, that, that, that yeah, question. Definitely. Well, I, and I think the first piece is, is acknowledging uh, those realities, like I said, really, uh, and, and, and surfacing the research, surfacing the, the empirical information um, where we can to equip our entrepreneurs with that knowledge and, and in some cases with actual tactics like that, that article specifically had some tactics that they suggested in how to reframe and reclaim um, the, the dialogue. And I think that's, you know, a really important piece. And something that, so, so in some ways, what we built with the accelerator is what I wish I would have had as a first time entrepreneur um, yeah. and as a, as a um, young woman with a woman co-founder and not really understanding at that point what an anomaly we truly were in the tech space. And so a lot of it is about community and creating a safe space where um, those stories can be shared and those strategies and tactics can, can also be shared. So. Um, you know, creating a support base of common experience and um, making sure that there's, there's always a place or a person to turn to um, when you do come up against a wall. Because I think emotionally that's very important, but also um, just in terms of actually coming up with a way to climb over or get around whatever barrier you're facing, having that key network of peers and um, mentors to to call on uh, is, is really, really essential. And that was something early on in my career I didn't necessarily have. And so we wanted to kind of bake that into everything that we were doing. You know, Andrew Carnegie at one point in time was asked what he considered in, in actually um, uh, in Think and Grow Rich. Um, this, this was actually you know, highlighted by Napoleon Hill that Carnegie said that the secret to his success came down to you know one word. Now this is me saying the one word, mastermind. But what, what he was talking about was I had a, a collective group of people and it was you know Firestone, it was uh, Thomas Edison, it was you know, some, some, some folks that he would gather together with on a regular basis. And, they, and the only purpose of that, and today we call it networking, but it was intentional mm -hmm. networking. And, the, and they would bring to the table you know, something that they were working with, something that they were wrestling with. And collectively, the, you know, the, the mastermind, the individual minds coming together to focus on one issue became the solution. And, mm -hmm. and Andrew Carnegie, the richest man in the world at the time, said that was the secret to his success. He would not have been successful without his mastermind. Mm -hmm. Now, I mentioned that because uh, one of the things that I, uh, that I think is important here, you've mentioned community three or four times. And um, you were board president of uh, Seattle Women in Tech for a number of years, mm -hmm. I think four years um, mm -hmm. And you basically, and, and, and this is me as an outsider looking in, that became kind of the gold standard of, 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 of a networking group in the tech space, particularly for women. You know, mm -hmm. there was so much going on in that, uh, in that uh, organization at that time. Mm -hmm. And I haven't followed it since you left, but uh, I mean, the, the, the buzz was palpable. Mm -hmm. um, what, and, and this will start migrating us a little bit into a conversation about WXR fund, because uh, you are funding you know, entrepreneur organizations as well here, but your time there, your tenure there at the, in, at the Seattle Women in Tech uh, organization, 
as a networking organization, what did you pay attention to and what did you want to foster that was perhaps a little bit unique with, mm -hmm. compared to traditional uh, networking, you know, industry networking groups? Yeah, that was a, that was a, a really exciting chapter and um, key actually to everything that I'm, I'm doing now, both in mm -hmm. igniting my passion and providing some fundamental learnings that, that then transferred to what we're ultimately doing at WXR. I, I'd say two key differentiators there um, was, first of all, we were, we were intent on having difficult conversations, on creating a forum where um, we could really dive into some of the things people were uncomfortable talking about, particularly at the time. It's been, it's since thankfully become more um, normalized and, and um, I, there's a lot more um, examples of these types of conversations in the public space. But at the time, people weren't really talking about um, what was really going on with gender bias and what was really going on with age, just age discrimination and um, specific stories that, you know, people uh, experienced day to day. Those, uh, like I, I often like to say the death by a thousand cuts sort of thing, where it's not necessarily the egregious moments, those happen as well. But it's all the little things you have to contend with as um, as a minority, as a you know a, a, a group facing bias. And so those were the kinds of conversations we tried to surface, and the kinds of stories we wanted to um, spotlight in an authentic way, and, and allow people, individuals, um, to tell their own story. Um, and then the second piece I would say that was different was we were proactive in inviting male allies to the table. So. I think it's very important to have women-only spaces as well, and um, we did occasionally do that. But for the most part, our events were, um, you know, very integrated, and we tried to, again, proactively encourage men to participate because I think, even for the best-intentioned uh, male allies, there's some reticence and some fear sometimes about diving into those kinds of spaces. And so we did a lot of proactive re uh, outreach. We had men on our board. Um, we always had that in mind when we were um, designing our programming uh, to try to, as much as possible, bring men to the table and talk about how we could, you know, across genders, uh, work together to, to change the story. Um, and that, I think, was a, a pretty successful strategy overall. Yeah, based on results, I would say that's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the definition that I work with uh, for leadership uh, is co-creating coordinated movement. And it's, an, it's, a, it's a definition around inclusion. And one of the things that I've always admired about you is how inclusive you are in your leadership style. Uh, with, you know, with every co-founder that you've ever worked with, inclu inclusivity has always been you know, what you were true northing to. Yeah. Um, with the WXR fund, yeah, which I'm going to separate that from WXR as mm -hmm. the accelerator. Um, what, what caused you to move to the funding side mm -hmm. of that dynamic? Well, that was always the intention from the beginning. And okay. I firmly believe that, you know, I think, I think we can do a lot with education and communication, but we can only go so far without resources. And I think at the heart of the matter, it's, it's a funding problem that we're facing, you know, that women led companies are under resourced across the board. And, and there's a huge opportunity in that as an investor. I mean, this is kind of you know, classic arbitrage opportunity where these companies, women tend to outperform yet are undervalued. And it's, um, 
infuriating, but also, you know, motivating for me. <laughs> and so, mm -hmm. um, so the fund was always kind of the, the end goal with WXR. And like I said, we had to, the accelerator was a way to kind of build toward that. Um, and then in late 2019, we were able to, you know, do our first close for the fund and, and start actively making investments. So that was a great milestone. Um, and I would love to over time build bigger funds. And I think as the industry matures, we'll be able to uh, mature the fund as well. Right now we're focused on seed stage and seed is, is my favorite stage yeah. because that zero to one um, journey is, is such a thrilling one and, and one where I um, get personally very excited. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think staying focused there and over time, um, continuing to build out the fund and, and be more aggressive in, in our um, capital deployment as the industry matures and there are more opportunities. Great. Martina, I want to thank you. Uh, we're getting close to the close time here. I, uh, and you've got a baby to go back to. <laughs> so um, we've been listening to Martina Wolkoff, uh, Managing Director and Co-Founder of uh, the WXR Fund. Where can people find out more about what you're up to? And is there anything in particular that you'd like to point them to right now? So the best place to keep up on the WXR Fund is Twitter. It's just w at WXR Fund. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Wellcoff, and both of those places tend to be pretty active and, and up to date in the latest and greatest in, in what we're doing. Uh, you can also sign up for our newsletter on our website, wxrfund.com, and that comes out monthly with uh, news both about the fund and the XR industry more broadly. Um, I just want to do a quick plug for our most recent uh, investment, which was announced just a few weeks ago, a company called Obsess, based in New York. Um, the CEO, Neha Singh, is an incredible leader and um, really the perfect person to lead this company coming out of both Google and Vogue. So she has a rare intersection of technical ex expertise and fashion expertise. Um, and they're doing some great immersive shopping. So there's lots of recent press on that and I'm very proud of that deal. It was our first deal that we co-led uh, with the Venture Reality Fund. And um, we have a couple more deals we're working on now. So come January, there'll be more announcements. That is exciting. I love it. I love it. Guest today, Martina Wilkoff and a good friend, longtime associate uh, uh, just in life. So, Martina, thank you so much for making the time here. You're listening to Blaine Bartlett, uh, and this is the soul of business with Blaine Bartlett. You can find out more about what I'm up to at blainebartlett.com. And uh, I put, you know, my plug here for that is you know, go, go to the website, blainebartlett.com, and up on the top, um, resources, click um, the link that takes you to the Mastermind program. I would invite you to take a look at this Leadership Mastermind. It is unique, and uh, it will... Uh, actually transform the way that you approach thinking about leadership and it will improve the way you actually lead in your organization. So lanebartlett.com, Leadership Mastermind. Thank you for listening. And until next time, have a great rest of your day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.